Welcome to Advent Voices Conversations with Claire, the podcast that brings you closer to the heart of the Advent Episcopal School community. I'm your host, Claire Cassidy Vaughn, and I'm thrilled to invite you on a journey through the vibrant stories, experiences, and insights of the incredible individuals who make up our Advent community. Join me as we embark on this journey of discovery, connection, and celebration. Stay tuned for inspiring episodes where we sit down with some of the incredible people who contribute to our Advent community. Their voices will leave you inspired, uplifted, and proud to be a part of the Advent family. This is Advent Voices, Conversations with Claire. Let the conversations begin. Okay, welcome to the second episode of Advent Voices Conversations with Claire. I am very excited to have a uh, longtime English arts, English language arts teacher, Jackie Warfell, who is still at Advent teaching our seventh and eighth grade, but who I also had the pleasure of calling a teacher. So very excited. I know many of you will join me um, in your enthusiasm from hearing some words of wisdom from Ms. Warfell, but I want to start by um, just having her introduce herself for those of you that maybe um, have not had an opportunity to meet her before. Um, So Jackie, if you'll just share a little bit uh, about yourself, um, just briefly. I'm Jacqueline Warfield, and uh, I've been teaching English for quite a while, and I've taught at all levels. I taught in high school. I started out in high school, and I had taught some middle school a long, long time ago, and I was in college. So I was uh, recruited by the former uh, head of school, uh, and she wanted me to teach the research paper and lots of good literature. So we were on the same track with each other. So we've had we had a really good relationship and a good number of years there. So. Uh, That's great. We're going to really, we're going to jump into it. We're going to try and cover a lot and make sure that uh, we get um, as much of Ms. Warfell's wisdom as we can here in this episode. So we'll just jump right in. Um, Jackie, as a longtime English language arts teacher at Advent, you've undoubtedly witnessed a lot of changes in education. But can you share some of your favorite teaching moments or experiences from your years at Advent that you think would resonate with both parents, teachers, and former students that might be listening? Claire may be bored with this, but what we're all about is connections. When you get ideas and you can put them together. So what I'm really trying to do is to teach them to think. So it's uh, exciting when you see that. It's almost like a light bulb moment. And uh, I'm trying to think back to some experiences, and I've had 25 years of experiences, so I had a a number to choose among. So I remember one group, and I think they may be through with college by now, that we were doing committee uh, work on on, uh, one of the books and so forth. And I said, you can present your reports in any way you wish to. I want you to be creative and so forth. And uh, never did I suspect, but one group did a puppet show. They made the puppets and they did, and the class was fascinated, of course. So that was a moment of delight for me. I can even remember the gals who did it. So, okay. So uh, another one is that um, we try to give them as many experiences as possible. That's part of the classroom teaching. And everything that 
I do, which I'll say later on, enriches my class. Everything that I do, read, travel to, experience, will make me a better teacher. So I uh, try to get them out of class, and we uh, went down to see Macbeth uh, several years back, and we went to Alabama Shakespeare that year because they were putting it on. And I know this, it's three or four years now, but we went down and it was an excellent performance. One of the best I've seen that they've done of anything down there. And they stuck very much to the script itself. And so when we got out, we got, got on the bus. One of my students, this is after we've had a workshop and we've spent, you know, five or six weeks talking about it and writing about it and so forth. And she said, oh, now I get it. <laughs> and I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> That's the light bulb moment. So that was a wonderful experience to have. Uh, and so they're, like I said, we're trying to make connections. And uh, a great moment every year, and then I'll hush, is when we finish the research papers. Because all first-time writers think they're not going to make it through. They think they'll be at Elmwood before they get there and so forth. But um, when they finish, they have great pride. We have a big day and we turn it in and beat the drums and all that kind of stuff. But they are so glad. This is the first time they've had to take information and put it together and make decisions about what was important and what was not. And uh, we do it strictly MLA form so that this will prepare them for high school and college. So whatever we do, they won't have to relearn again. But uh, those are three highlights for sure. And I could bore you the rest of the day with even more. No, that's great. Um, and I think what's really special is that um, outside of the puppet show, which I would not have been a part of, that a lot of what you're talking about really resonates with my own experience and the opportunity to travel and see Alabama Shakespeare, but also the research paper and my own preparation and having your class and going through that project um, definitely makes a difference in terms of your confidence as you go into the next stages of your academic career. And one other thing that I, I didn't mention, which is close to the heart of all teachers is that I recently had uh, a student who's going to college uh, bring her applications to me and she was applying to 14 schools in this country and out and that was a lovely moment for a teacher after five years she's been away from from me that she still wanted me to look at it she still wanted that little bit of encouragement and we're always here for that at Advent, mm -hmm. you know, and we have students coming back for all sorts of things, but that is a really lovely experience to have. Mm -hmm. Jackie, you have a really unique journey uh, going from college level teaching to middle school. It's really a, a fascinating um, journey in your teaching career. How do you feel like your prior experience in higher education shapes your approach to teaching middle school students? And how might this experience and your experience in having taught other grade levels, other um, areas in the academic world, how does that help, you know, benefit particularly students who are the recipient of your teaching, but also parents that are thinking about uh, the choice that they'll be making for their children's education? Well, teaching in college taught me that uh, be careful what you ask for because the Lord will give it to you. Because I taught mostly freshmen and sophomores, and I did ESL work, and I had to grade those essays and so forth. And I found out that across Alabama, they were really not getting the fundamentals. And you can't go back in college and teach it. They have to have it before they get there. So I would say 
the most important thing, and this is the reason I came back, not just being recruited by a friend, but because I really believe this is the last bastion. This is the last time we're going to get true fundamentals. They're not going to stop in high school to go back to do this. And I simply don't want them to be behind the learning curve. So fundamentals mean words. So we do a lot of work with vocabulary. It means grammar, which is important. How do you put the words together? And then we read the best literature in the world that I say join the literate world. Everybody has read. And so you have ideas from that. Then we get to the principal thrust of the course, and that is writing, your own writing. Have you got the words? Do you have the grammar that makes other people understand it? Do you have the ideas, the connections? Can you put those together? Can you express those? So um, that was something that, like I said, I got to come back and do. <laughs> and here we're writing paragraphs and we're writing essays and research paper. And uh, we go through those stages to learn, to get experience. But what I would say to parents and to other teachers, if I were talking, I, I taught a couple of classes with beginning teachers, now is the time mm -hmm. for the fundamentals. Don't let it drag on. Do not. Do all you can to help your students. Do all you can to help your child get the fundamentals now because it's simply this world is too fast. They won't go back to do that. They just assume you know it. And we don't, especially after the last few years, the way the world has turned out and so forth. So uh, now is the time. Yeah, that's great. Well, and that really brings us to our next question. So education is ever evolving. Certainly there are things uh, that have remained tried and true. But as you think back over your career, could you talk a little bit about how you feel like you have seen the English language arts education change and just any particular insights that you think people um, should know about in thinking about the evolution of education and specifically English uh, language arts teachings over the year? Well, the pendulum always swings on every topic, and you're going to have some of that in English. Now, I teach principally literature that has been tested by time. Uh, some people call it the classics. All that means is everybody liked it. There are a whole lot of people who like this. Would you like to look at it, too? So uh, one experience uh, years back before I came to Advent was there was a program nationwide called Whole Word, and it started in California. Unfortunately, they didn't test it enough before they put it in. So for 10 years, Whole Word was touted to be the best way to teach uh, the uh, reading and so forth. It was really sight learning. But uh, it was such a failure that all it did was prove that phonics is the way. We have never steered away from phonics here at Advent. And that, therefore, this generation that can't spell and can't sign out thinks we have a few who can because we still emphasize that. And another thing that has uh, changed is cursive writing. Now, that was poo-pooed for a time. That was just cut out, and many it's never gone out of the state curriculum, but it was just not taught very much. We have always taught cursive, and my classes get a real reminder because we write in cursive just so they can do so, and I write out things for them in cursive so they can read cursive because I've had students who couldn't read cursive and so forth and so on. 
Finally, uh, this all came to a head when they did a great deal of research between the connection with the brain and physical activity and having the hand write those letters gave you not only time to think, but was an actual benefit about thinking all the way around. So at least now we've refuted that because I did so many arguments about whole word that it just was discouraging to say the least because it went on for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, at any rate, uh, we have gone beyond that now. The MLA, uh, which governs the English language, the use of all the things in grammar and so forth, uh, meets every few years, and they change very little. They do change some little things, but it'll be a little rule uh, and not anything big. And that's what we go by. We do in our way, and we use that form, and we follow their rules. Now, on a much reduced, simpler uh, way of doing it, uh, I had to, I did a little simplified version of the MLA for middle school. And so in my high school students, so they took it with them all, all through there. But they'll have to buy their own when they get to high school, and they'll do more. But there's just no reason in junior high to know how to cite an unpublished manuscript. Come on. You know, we need to just find materials and know how to cite that. So um, it's always going to change a little bit, but um, there is stability within the language. And if you get the fundamentals and you learn those rules, then you can break them. Then you can go outside those. Now, I'm talking about exclusively expository writing. Creative writing is another whole set, and we uh, we just don't, I don't have time for that with this when I'm trying to teach them. My role is to get them ready for high school. That's the way I see it, and uh, teach the research paper and have them read something worthwhile mm-hmm. that other people will have heard of. Uh, I've got one group reading Mice and Men now, and I said, the rest of your life, people are going to say, the best laid schemes. And you'll now know what that means, mm-hmm. that there's a change. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there will be more changes in English, but it is pretty stable uh, at this point, at least particularly at this level, mm-hmm. you know. So um, well, I, I think that's okay. I think what's nice, too, is the way that the middle school program here is designed, where you're having multiple teachers, you're seeing them in different capacities. And so to really get that breadth of experience in writing. So you get the creative writing, but also knowing that you're really coming out with those foundational skills. Um, Let's talk a little bit about mentors and role models. Um, I know that you, for many people, have been a mentor, and you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, having a student come back to help with those college essays, I think really speaks to that. But love to know, were there any particular teachers or mentors in your own journey that you feel like had a a real impact on your teaching style or your philosophy? Too many to name. (laughs) I've been around a while, and I owe a great deal to the fabulous instructors I've had over the years, even going back to high school. I can remember a high school English teacher who was in charge of the Honor Society, and we memorized more Shakespeare than I ever thought I would need, and I did need it. Mm-hmm. It stood me in great stead when I got to college and all for the rest of my life as well. I do remember uh, when I did my student teaching, uh, I had a teacher who was uh, really great, and I, I'm unfortunate in that. She... Uh, she said, always have a plan and over plan. And that's pretty good advice for life. And that's where the English classes go. Don't ever under plan. This is what I would say to my uh, beginning teachers. Don't ever under plan. Always have more than you can do. 
so that you don't ever have that blank time. Now, even with parenting, you already know this as parents, that you have to over plan or they'll say, I'm bored or what can we do now and so forth. You have to have that plus flexibility because I have plans. Sometimes I get through two things. Sometimes I get through 15. And like I said, that is true in life as well. You have to organize things along those lines. Good advice for sure. Jackie, thinking about the way that students are growing and they're learning, thinking about the way that teachers are growing and building on what you were sharing around having seen trends in education, trends in the way that we teach English. Um, How do you stay up to date with the latest developments in education? How do you make sure that you are continuing to meet students where they are while still pushing them to those high expectations? What what do you find to be most effective in terms of uh, your own learning as a teacher? Well, since I've taught for all of my professional career, I have found that uh, this works for me. Uh, You stay current on literature, what's going on now and what's popular so that you can talk to them about Harry Potter 10, 15 years ago, whatever it is. But I read quarterlies and journals that are professional, and they are looking at trends and what's going on and new information. Also, take advantage of all seminars and lectures that I can get to. And you always glean something from every one of those, even if it's just one thing you really do. And then best of all, what we're doing here at Advent now is we're making a path to talk to each other. So we're going to do some instructional rounds and so forth, and we'll get to see others teach and talk to them. And that way is really a way of exchanging ideas and methods in a visual way and not just a paper that you read somewhere. So I think all of those have been valuable to me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, okay, you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, just in the, in the previous question, but you know, you have a wealth of experience. Um, what advice would you offer to teachers specifically, whether they are people who are just starting out on their careers or people with years of experience? Um, what, what would you say? I've already said plan <laughs> and over plan. Always have a plan B and be flexible. Sometimes you have to go to plan C. You know, school schedules change. Uh, children have different things occur in their lives and so forth and so on. So just uh, have a plan in your mind, but be really flexible. So we can do this tomorrow, or this can be put off, or maybe we ought to go ahead and do what I thought we would do next week. So you adjust as you go along. And all parents know that. Also, set goals. Set goals. Even with your young children, sit down and say, well, what do you think we're going to do in English this year? What do you want to do? Would you like to do? I always give them little uh, uh, questions like that at the beginning of the year to see what they've got on their minds and what they're thinking. So uh, you would do well. I think our parents could do well with that also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, circling back to literature, um, which in in many ways, I think for me and my my own experience in your class, literature is really a key piece of, of what I remember. And, and as you mentioned earlier, those classics, having an understanding, having exposure to them, um, even pieces or novels that I revisited in high school. I think The Great Gatsby is one that, that comes to mind. Um, and so just thinking about literature and really the power it has, can 
you share a little bit on your perspective in terms of the significance of literature, um, not only for exposure to, you know, cultural things that students may need to know, um, but specifically in the way that that helps shape students' language skills and their critical thinking skills? Okay. Well, I've always tell my students this. <sighs> literature and English in this course is not going to make you a living. There are professional schools for that. This is going to make life worth living. There's got to be more to life than being an engineer or a lawyer or whatever you are. So this gives you the doorway to do that. This makes enriches your life. I recently had an experience. I, you live long enough and you find that a lot of things uh, get reiterated. I met a young man on an air flight, and he was a, a fairly young lawyer. And we began, it was a longer flight, we got to talking. And turns out that he had done something quite interesting during COVID. Uh, he missed not only all, what we all do, each other and all that. So he got together uh, a group of young friends of his, uh, all on Zoom and so forth, and they formed a book club. And so they read and talk about the books. They wanted more intellectual stimulation and more than just what his job or his profession provided. So it was interesting. You can imagine we had the best talk. You know, for hours we talked about uh, books, and I recommended books to him, a couple that I was amazed he hadn't read, and some he um, uh, recommended to me, which I had not recently come across. Mm -hmm. But we always want to do what Emily Dickinson said, and that is, well, impossibility. It's, everything is possible. And literature shows us that more than anything and gives us ideas and helps us to learn to think. How do you put together ideas? How did you solve that problem? Oh, that foreshadowing, oh gosh, that really told me something about what would happen later. And even if it's just your enjoyment of reading literature, you will be in so much better place with that. So uh, it's a pleasure. And it also just hones your skills with thinking as you read. So even something like Greek mythology is valuable to be taught because it is a part of the Western world today, the Western culture today. You will go to museums, ballets, all kind of things that will reference something from that. And think of what you would miss if you didn't know anything about that particular civilization. So uh, that's, that's real. That's pretty much where I stand on that because it helps us to pull together ideas and it enrich, I know that word is overused, but it does enrich your life. It makes it better. It makes it more than the routine. And we all get into routines from day to day. And, and you, you get up and you cook and your laundry or whatever it is and so forth. There's more to it. So make time for that. And that's what I'm telling my students. And I hope they do. Uh, they like reading better and they find a time for it. I have to schedule time for me because I want to read so bad. I have to say, this 20 minutes, I can read right now. But at this age level, they aren't quite there yet. So we have to kind of program it for them. But, um, you know, nothing could be better than being exposed to ideas that have withstood the test of time. You don't have to make all of those mistakes. You can read and glean something from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Jackie, teaching can be very demanding. It requires um, a lot of 
time and energy and resources. Um, and so whether you consider it to be work-life balance or work-life integration, um, finding a way to balance those things is really important. So can you talk a little bit about um, how you balance that for yourself? And I think what I'd really love to know is what do you love to do just for fun? Well, I try for this balance. You're going to have to have some kind of plan or schedule. And it's going to have to be flexible. So there, and teaching English, uh, it, it's different from teaching other subjects because I've taught other subjects. I, I double major in history and English, and I love teaching the history. English is a little different. It You don't leave it. It goes home with you, and it stays there for weekends because you've got a lot of reading and you've got a lot of grading to do. Now, my philosophy is you return the paper the next day, and you go over it so they can see what they got right as well as what they got wrong, and can we fix it the next time? And what I tell them is that now's the time to make mistakes. This is the age. Uh, high school grades are going to be looked at by college. College is pretty serious. Right now, make your mistakes. We can fix them. At this level, we can fix it. We can fix the grammar. We can fix the vocabulary. We can fix the pattern for writing, and that gets you ready to do some interesting things in high school and college. Um, Everything, as far as balance is concerned, it's refreshing to do anything academic, but I've mentioned some of those, the um, concerts, theaters, museums, all of that. But also, anything that happens to you enriches your classes. So you travel. That becomes a part of your experience and somehow or other makes everything richer in your class, as you mentioned it, and so forth. So you read and you travel and you do all the things that you would like to do. I've had several hobbies in my life. I've just kind of outgrown some of them. Uh, I, I needle-pointed for about 10 years, and then I wore myself out on it. And I give <laughs> every person I know a pillow. <laughs> so I talk to, but reading truly is a hobby for me. And I, I like cooking and so forth, too. I'm interested. Julia Child just pulled me right in. Uh, before I moved this last time, I... I really, all my life, have liked gardening and uh, really loved it and finally got to the point that I had to be satisfied with uh, just greenery <laughs> and texture and so forth. And I don't have a garden now, but I still love flowers and trips to the botanical gardens and them shows and so forth on great enrichment. And I find that our students don't know uh, the cycle of life. When do you plant things? When do they grow? And when do you harvest? And you have to know that in the books that we read and so forth. So it's terrific to know the name of things. And my best example is I said, can you spell chrysanthemum? And nobody can. And I said, yes, you can. And I did this with parents and with adults as well. Now, this is phonics as well. Break it into syllables. And the one thing you have to remember is that Y's and I's sound the same in English. So you just have to remember that this one's with the Y. So you spell Chris and the mom. And when we break it down that way, everybody can spell chrysanthemum. Then I find out they don't really know what that is. So I have to go get some chrysanthemums and have them in class and so forth. And we do that with a number of different plants and all that kind of thing. So that they can pay attention to detail, which is what I'm trying to get them to do in writing. When you must pay attention to the detail. Ours at this age are very, uh, very adept at reading for plot. And they love it and they like things to move fast. These are visually oriented students. So we have to teach them how to read and put the 
puzzle pieces together that makes up that plot. So uh, that is a challenge also. But uh, I want to enrich their lives. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to what you said at the very beginning, which was, you know, about connections and that the goal is to, to have connections. And I feel like so much of what you've talked about from, I mean, even the way that, you know, you look at work-life balance in your own life and trips to the botanical gardens, and that's where you're going to see chrysanthemums. And to then think about, okay, can you spell it? Let's break it down. Goes back to the phonics, the very foundational piece. Okay, do you know what that is and why we're talking about that? So I think that's so much of, you know, what you're emphasizing and really appreciate is that the connections really come uh, across the board. Oh flowers and plants and greenery from their own gardens mm-hmm. and their mother's gardens and mm-hmm. so I had one former student here who bought me some flowers from her mother's garden. She remembered learning zinnias <laughs> and so forth. So uh, it's something that goes outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right, uh, two last questions um, that we're asking everyone uh, that has an opportunity to come on Advent Voices. Um, if you were talking to a prospective parent looking at Advent for their child, what is the one thing you would want them to know about our school? I could never reduce it to one. There's so many things, but I would say that this is a safe academic niche with caring faculty and that we look after not just the academic and the physical, but your spiritual well-being, your happiness as well. And that is really what I would want to tell them about this school. And then I would say, just go around and look. Stop and talk to a student. Visit a classroom. Uh, You will not be disappointed, ever, you know, unless you have to clean up the lunchroom. Oh, of course, I've been here too long to sort of pick out just one. Everybody goes back to Lessons in Carols, of course. And I really love Lessons in Carols because... Former students come back, and they come back for years, and sometimes they come back as parents of my present students, and there is something very special about the whole school being gathered there together, and we say family, but now we have family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, everybody around us, and it's very spiritually moving, not just for the school, but for the season as well, and of course, Graduation's right up there with me because generally I've had them for several years. And when they get there, I've never failed to get teary. You know, I always, I'm not going to be teary about this group. This, you know, they're ready. We're getting them ready. We're crossing the bridge and they're so ready. I always get teary about that because it's a bittersweet time. And that's a word I teach them because they're not familiar with that. And I said, you're going to experience it right at graduation. Now, all the field trips that we do and the experiences outside of classrooms, you know, there are just too many to name. I've talked about the little gal who said, now I get Shakespeare, you know, now I get Macbeth. So those are treasured memories for me. But most of all, the greatest thing that any student can do is to keep in touch. And all teachers treasure that. We want to know, did you get along okay? How did it go? And then my question is, what are you reading? <laughs> so uh, that's really... I, I Well, all of my experience here, I have treasured, most of all, the students. I didn't know after teaching in college if I could come back to this level and, uh, you know, and, and encouraged me. And we worked together. She wanted me to do the research paper and a lot of good literature, as I had said. So uh, we were hand in hand on all that. And so 
it went well. And as I said, I don't think you'll be disappointed with the experiences here and the traditions are myriad. We'll just, your child will come home. We did this and so on. We're going to do it next year and so forth and so on. And, uh, and they're all expanding. Our eighth graders are going to Chattanooga in a few days. Uh, I have taken them to Atlanta to uh, Shakespeare uh, performances. All of these are about professionals and so forth. And then, of course, in science they're doing this. In history they're doing this. So we are uh, really trying to expose them. And Anne Barton in French is doing all she can. She takes them to France and Canada and all of that kind of business. So good experiences all the way around. And I couldn't just say one thing, but if you can get to lessons in carols, do so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for your time today. It was um, a privilege to be a student of yours, and it is a pleasure to be able to uh, work alongside you now um, in this role. So I just am grateful uh, for all that you've given to Advent, all you continue to do. And let, let me add, I too am privileged to have Claire here and to work with her. It's just a great pleasure. No. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to our second episode. Until next time, take care and remember that your voice matters.